We finished our three-week uh, session on uh, baptism. We're going to look back at Ecclesiastes again, work on our series there. Let's open in prayer as we open the word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your loving kindness and for your desire to keep us. And we just thank you for all of that. We ask you to bless this time, open the word, let your spirit talk to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Who is a wise man and who knows the interpretation of things? A man's wisdom makes his face to shine and the boldness of his face to be changed. A counsel, I counsel you, keep the command, king's commandments and that in regard to the oath of the God. Be not hasty to go out of his sight and stand not in an evil thing. For he that does whatsoever pleases, for he does whatsoever pleases him. Where the word of a king is, there is power, and who may say unto them, What do you? Whoso keepeth the commandments shall feel no evil thing, and the wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. So I want to look at these five verses because Solomon is coming around and we've, we're past his really depressed days when he's saying, Who can find God? There's nothing out there. And he's starting to turn to look to God. At the end of the book, he's going to say, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Uh, fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole uh, duty of man. So we're going to see him say that the purpose of man is to keep God's word. And without God being in our life, we will be totally without hope. And if you can remember back before you were saved or you know somebody who's gotten saved, there is just that thing. Nothing fulfills without God. And I've seen it. I've met people. I've met people who are millionaires. They're not happy. Have all the fame and wealth. They're not happy without God. And this is where Solomon's going. He says, who is a wise man and knows the interpretation of things? Who is skillful? Who can understand things? Who has the ability to see and understand instructions or to see things? And this is where we have to stand on God's truth. It's amazing to me how many people stand on emotion. Okay, this is how I feel about things. This is how I think about things. This is what I see. But you know, how many times have you been in that place where you think you know what God's doing and nothing makes sense when you think you're living on your own, in your own thoughts, your own emotions? God says, this is what I say about it. And you all know that one of my favorite verses is Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good for those called according to the purpose of God. God has a good plan for us. All right. There's a saying that goes on in a lot of churches. God is good all the time. God is good. You know, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And you know, we really want to be able to understand God is good. Even when it doesn't seem like he's being good, even when I don't understand it, God is good. I might understand it 20 or 30 years from the, from the event that's happening. Maybe not even that long. It may be very short, but God is good. When we get to heaven and we look at the picture that God's painted of our life on the other side, we'll see a much better picture. And I love the picture of the tapestry. If anybody's ever seen a tapestry being made or, or uh, 
a knotted, knotted uh, picture uh, on it. If you look on the back side, there's threads everywhere, and there's strings, and there's knots, and it looks ugly, doesn't it? If you know what, it, you know, if you've done it, you've seen it. It looks ugly. You flip it over, and if the person's good, you have a beautiful picture. We're looking from God's plan right now, from the knotted, messed up side, and we don't understand what He's doing, why He's doing it, and we need to understand. Wisdom comes from God. Proverbs tells us that the beginning of wisdom is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we need to be able to look to God and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. Now, is that easy to do? Yes and no. <laughs> it, it's, it's very hard sometimes when everything's going wrong in our life and we're living in our emotions and our feelings. It is very hard to trust God. But at the same time, it's easy because all we do is surrender to God. And I've been asked over and over, how do you surrender to God? And my answer is, you just do it. <laughs> how many of you have ever fought with God and fought with God, and you're not going to surrender, and you fight with God, and then you finally surrender, and you're almost kicking yourself saying, it was so simple to do, if I, you know, why did it take me so long to do it? I've been there many times. Fought with God, fought with God, surrendered, and say, wow, this was so simple. Why did I waste months or years <laughs> fighting with him? Surrender to God. And it says in here, it says, a man's wisdom, his skillful, makes his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. You know what it means for somebody's face to shine? They're just joyful. They're content. You know, there is almost literally a radiance from them. And a skillful person has that confidence, that boldness. And just being saved can do that for you. I love when, I, when I'm sitting with somebody and they say the sinner's prayer and they give their life over to God. And you just see their face change. Their face just changes. And you can see this radiance coming out of them. And you see that things have changed in their heart. And this is what he's saying. That relationship with God changes. And we talk to people, you know, it's very interesting sometimes. If, you're, if you've been like me, I've traveled sometimes and been with groups of people. And, you know, I go to these groups and I'm going, God, I don't want to be hanging out with all these people that are drinking and telling stupid stories. God, I need to meet somebody who is one of your followers. And it doesn't take long for, some, for you to notice. There's something different about the faces something different about somebody who truly knows God and the spirit works with you and their face shines out that they are different from the world man has fallen when Adam and Eve sinned we went into a fallen state and sinful Romans 3.23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we've got to understand that we are all sinners all right. And this is very important for us because no, somebody doesn't know that they need a savior if they don't know that they're a sinner. And I've talked to lots of people who will tell me, well, I'm not that bad. And the question is, by whose standards are you not bad? All right. God's standard is perfection. If, it's not, if you're not perfect in God's standards, you are bad, which means we're all bad. No matter who you are, you are bad by God's standards. And this is very important for us to understand. Here in Ecclesiastes, he's saying the wise man sees this. He sees what's going on. 
And he says in verse 2, I counsel you to keep the king's commandment and that in regard of the oath of God. The king he's talking about, God. Keep God's commandments. God's commandments are something, a lot of people think, well, God has all these rules. And I have met so many people, they put their entire life together being afraid of God and all of his rules. One of the great things about God's rules are they are who he is. When we are his child and he comes in and dwells in us and he starts making us more like him, the commandments are not grievous because I start to keep the commandments because he's changing who I am inside. I don't desire to tell lies. I don't desire to hurt people. I desire to have love toward people. Is it going to be perfect? No, because we still have a human fallen nature. But we start to be changed. And this is what I share all the time. Are you one of God's children? Look at your life. Are you the same person today as you were six months ago, a year ago, two years ago? If you have changed and it's not you forcing those changes, you are one of his children and he's changing you. If you can look at your life and say, I'm pretty much the same person I was five years ago, you need to really look at your life and say, God, am I your child? Do I really know you? Do you indwell me? Because Christianity is not a set of rules to follow. It is a relationship with the God of the universe. And this is what sets Christianity apart. The world tells us Christi you know, all religions are the same. Well, they're not really the same, but yet they really are. For religion gives you a set of rules and says, follow these rules, and hopefully you'll make the deity happy. That is what religion teaches. Christianity, on the other hand, says, all of you have sinned, you deserve hell, Jesus died for your sins to bring you to heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. I can't do anything that's going to please God enough to get me into heaven. All I can do is surrender to him and say, God, I'm a sinner. Come into my life and save me. I believe that you died for me and rose again. I look at that and he changes who I am. And I now can start following his rules. I can look at life. I can see what's going on and live for God. Without God, I cannot live for God. I can try to tame my flesh. I can try to put it in cages. But if you put a wild animal in a cage, it's just waiting for the opportunity to get out. If we put our flesh in a cage, it is waiting to get out. And like with any wild animal, when it gets out, it's vicious. And our flesh can be very vicious when it gets out of that cage. It says, be not hasty to go out of, the sight, out of, the, out of his sight. Stand not in an evil, for he does whatsoever he pleases. How often are we hasty to get out of God's sight? I just can't wait to get away from God so I can go on and sin. What are we saying? I don't believe God is everywhere. It's an amazing thing that we, we as Christians believe that God is omnipresent. means he's everywhere. And yet somehow when we think we're alone, we'll go out and sin thinking we're not going to get caught. Nobody's, nobody's seeing us. God is there. If we are his child, we are, we are bringing him in the middle of that sin. But he sees everything. The psalm says, if you go into the midst of the darkness, I'm there. If you go to the bottom of the sea, I am there. Matter of fact, he says, if you go into the depths of hell, he's there. 
He says, I am where you are at. Now, for us, as a, when we're doing right, that's a great comfort. God, whatever you've got me in, you're with me. If you're trying to run from God, it's a terrible feeling. Everywhere you are, God's at. And here he says, don't be hasty to get away from him. Now, how do we do this? And I've seen it happen over the years. Somebody starts not reading their Bible, not praying, not spending time with God. Eventually, they stop coming to church. They stop hanging out with Christians. And they drift further and further away from God. When we're in a hard place and a hard time, what should we be doing? We should be drawing closer to God. Yes, it might make us feel a little guilty. We might feel a little bit convicted because we are being, having God show us our sin. But we draw close to him. We draw close to the body of Christ and be built up and edified and prayed for and say, I need prayer. All of us need other people. You know, we are not rocks and islands on our own. And if you think you are, just keep standing by yourself and you'll find yourself falling. Over and over, everybody who tries to stand on their own falls. Because God's not going to let you stand on your own. He wants you to be dependent upon him. And this is true. No matter how strong you think you are, God is going to have a place where he says, your test is going to be so strong, you are going to fall without me. And that means if you're a new Christian, it's pretty easy. You're still just learning to stand. If you've been a Christian for decades and you've grown with God, your test may be pretty hard. But your test is going to be one that says, are you going to trust me or not? And we want to keep this in mind God is there. He is with us. And he says, do not stand with the evil or do not be acquainted with the evil, literally. How many of us have no problem being around evil? You know, I'm getting more and more sensitive to evil with every passing year. Not wanting to see half the TV shows or movies or books or, or conversations that go on. I see this stuff and I get, my stomach just turns over sometimes. And sometimes they're even watching things that I watched when I was younger and going, how in the world could I have ever watched this in the past? How could I have ever participated in this in the past? That shows growth in us. And we're not to be acquainted with, we're not to accept evil. How does that change? God gets in us. He comes in and he just starts showing us purity. Now, and we think about this. How many times do we look at something and we think it's pretty good? You know, we, we think of something being a pure white you know, page or something. And all the imperfections we see. And I think I've told you about an artist friend of mine that I went out with one time. And he was going to go buy canvas to paint some of his paintings. And he was a professional. He sold his paintings. And the art store had like 30 canvases out there. And he found one that he said was perfect. Now, they all looked good to me. You know, they all looked good to me. They were all white. <laughs> they were all stretched, you know. And I'm going, what's wrong with that? And he goes, well, right there, there's a spot there. There's a spot here. This one has a little dimple here. You know, but it was a great example to me. It is how does God see us? Without Jesus Christ being what covers us, he sees us as flawed. 
Now, some of us are really flawed. We're just a, you know, instead of being a white canvas, we got spots and dirt and maybe so much dirt that we don't even see any white canvas. Some have been walking with God for a long time, and if we just looked at our flesh, there would just be a few flaws and spots. But you know, Isaiah tells us that all our righteousness is filthy rags. The best things that we can do before God in our own strength, God says, garbage. What does the world depend on getting to heaven? Well, if I do enough good things, I'm going to please God. And God says, all of your good is garbage. And that word for filthy rags literally means filthy, polluted, medical rags filled with pus and blood. That's what God sees our good things as. That is why Jesus died on the cross, so that we could be covered and clothed in his righteousness, so that when we stand before God as his children, he says, oh, this is my perfect child. We need to really understand, when you are a Christian, God sees us as perfect. Satan comes along and condemns us, says, you're a terrible, miserable person. And, you know, it really comes good. You know, you know what, Satan, you're absolutely right. I am a terrible, per awful person, but I am covered by the blood of Christ, and God sees me as perfect. We need to really understand how God sees us. Without accepting Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, we are terrible, rotten, awful people, even if we think we're doing pretty good. And we've shared you with you. I have met so many people over the years that, gets, that have gone to church all their life that don't know God, and around their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, they all of a sudden realize, I do not know Jesus. It is important for us to know Jesus, to be in a relationship with Jesus, to recognize I'm a sinner in need of Jesus. And here is Solomon saying this very thing. He says, don't be hasty. He says, where the word of the king is, there is power and who may say to him, what do you? How do we live a good life? We learn God's word. We learn it. We learn it so well that it becomes part of us. It's an interesting thing. When you get saved, you have a desire to get into God's word. You get verses that mean something to you. I have very rarely found somebody who is truly saved that doesn't have some verses memorized in their life just because they're so important to them. You know, I recommend that you learn verses anyway, but, it, you know, but there, are word, there are certain verses that are going to really stand out in your life. You all know my two favorite verses, Romans 8, 28, and the other one is Galatians 2, 20. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but, I, but by the faith of Christ Jesus. My flesh is to be crucified, and yet I live. Why? Because God gives me real life. He gives us the life to be able to love each other, to be kind to each other, to be able to be dependent on him. There's lots of verses out there, and everybody's going to have their verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on into your understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. When we get into tight places, that's a powerful verse. God, this is what I think I should be doing. What, what should I be doing? And go, God, let God talk to you. Let God talk to you. We will try to do all kinds of things that aren't godly. 
And we'll think they're good at the time we do them. Well, you know, God, I just couldn't get away with not, you know, with telling the truth in this situation because these people would have got hurt. God says, be truthful. He says, don't bear false witness. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy, and he tells us that you need to tell the entire truth and not parts of the truth. And I've shared with you, I love our court system. We, we swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And if you talk to your lawyer, they say, answer just exactly what's, what you're asked and say no more. So we promise to tell the truth the way God says, and then we're told by them, don't be truthful. And by their logic, we're being truthful. As long as we don't say an outright lie, in their mind, we're being truthful. But that's not what we said to, that's not what we swore to say, and it's not what God says. Man's way of thinking will always get us in trouble. Man looks for loopholes. Our flesh looks for loopholes. Well, you know, God, uh, I was just thinking about killing that person. I didn't actually kill them. <laughs> if I could have got away with it, I might have. But, you know, and God, what did Jesus say? If you're angry with a brother without cause, you've committed murder. Well, you know, God, I didn't, I didn't actually sleep with that person. I really wanted to. I thought, I, I thought about it. And Jesus said, if you've lusted after somebody, you've committed adultery. And we've talked about the consequences aren't the same as actually doing it, but the sin is still there. You're still guilty before God. The consequence isn't as bad because you didn't do it. There's still consequences. And God says his standards are high. God's thoughts are so much higher than we, we have. You know, no matter how close we have drawn to God, how, more, how much godlier we are in our lifestyle, we are still a long ways from God's thoughts. You know, we know you've been walking with God, and I mean seriously walking God with 80, 100 years, and you've been walking and you've been growing, you're still not close to God's thoughts. You still have problems getting there. And I've shared this. How strong do you think God is? You're not even close to how strong, no matter where you are. You're just beginning to understand how God, strong God is. You're, you're, you're not there. You've been studying about how strong God is, and you think he's really good to do and everything. You're still not there. You know, because he's going to be much more than what we can understand. All-knowing. Do you realize that there is nothing that God does not know? Nothing. He knows what you're going to do. Not just in the next couple seconds. Not next week. He knows everything you're going to do up until the time you die and everything after that when you go to stand before him in either the Bema Seat or the White Throne Judgment. He knows everything. He also knows what everybody's going to do in your life around you. How powerful is God? I love to say the word you will never hear God say is, I didn't know that was going to happen. And I kind of say that in a joking manner, but it is a great comfort. There is nothing that can happen to me that God did not know was going to happen and have a plan. Now, I jokingly say, sometimes I'll pray to God, God, could you let a little less things happen? You know, quit letting so much come my way. You know, but obviously, he knows that it is what's going to test me and draw, him, draw me to him and make us stronger for whatever else is coming our way. He knows that it is needed. And he has to, Satan has to have permission to attack us. Now, some of it we provide ourselves. We, do, we commit sin, and the laws of sowing and reaping says, you commit sin, there's a consequence. 
And that's just going to happen. Now, God will temper the consequence to whatever we need, but there is a consequence. When we sin, there is consequences. Some of them are very long-term and serious. Some are not so serious. But there's always a consequence for sin. Now, the good news is there's consequences for doing good, too. We like to call them rewards. (laughs) When we do the right things, there are rewards for doing right things. Some are very small, some are very big, some are immediate, some are long-term. Much of our good will come when we get to heaven, and God says, here's your reward. Here's your reward. But, you know, if nothing else the good is, I don't have to worry. One of the things I tell the prisoners all the time, you know, they go, well, I can make so much money doing, you know, I get back outside, I'm going to go back to dealing drugs, and go, and how long will it be? Well, I don't know. They go, you want to live always looking over your shoulder. Always wondering if you're going to get caught. Always wondering when when the bad is going to happen. The thing about doing what is right, I don't have to worry about consequences. (laughs) Bad may still come my way, but God is in control of that. But I'm not going to worry about having things come my way that I deserve. Because God is in control. We need to really understand, God is always in control. He is the one that keeps us. Whoso knows the commandment, whoso keeps the commandment, shall feel no evil. The wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Whoso keeps God's evil is not, uh, commandments is not acquainted with evil. This goes back to just what I was saying. We're blessed. We're not worried about doing things. When we know his commandments, when we are keeping his commandments, we're not experiencing evil. And we discern time and judgment we understand we get acquainted with what is right you know and this is what's important for us as we walk with God we walk with God and we get to know what's good we need to we get to see what's right we get to know that we get rewarded for what's going to happen I really encourage people do you know God do you really know God Because if you do, he's changing you. You're his child. And it really takes that point in time where you say, God, I am a sinner. I confess. I agree with you that I'm a sinner. I deserve the punishment that you've reserved for me. I accept the sacrifice of Jesus come into my life. Going to church doesn't get it for you. You can come to church your entire life and still not become a Christian. You could read your Bible every day and not become a Christian. It'd be really hard, but you can. (laughs) You can speak all the right words, sound like a Christian, not go into deep sin, and not be a Christian. When you have accepted Jesus Christ and he's living inside you, you will know that he's there. There is nobody out there in this world that will ever convince me that I am not a Christian. I know that at age 10, Christ came into my life and changed me. And I hope you know, maybe not the exact day, maybe not even the year, but you should know that God is living in you because you've asked him to come in. If you don't know that, today is the day to make sure you do it. And it's a simple process. God, I am a sinner. I deserve the punishment. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Come in and forgive me. And he'll come in. Don't put that off. 
Make that prayer. Make that decision. And I don't know if everybody in this room is saved or not. I don't know if everybody who listens to us on the Internet is. I'm sure most, some of them aren't. But it is important. God says today is the day of salvation. And we don't know when we're going to die. All of us think that we're going to, you know, all of us have plans for next week, a month away, you know, maybe our birthday or anniversary. We're making plans. And we all expect to keep our plans. Every single person who dies every single hour has plans. They are planning to do something, sometime, somewhere, somehow. Life is short. Even if you manage to live, let's say, 200 years. I know in our day and age, nobody lives to be 200 years. But let's say you manage to live 200 years. It is still short, and you don't know when it's going to end. And you must make your plans accordingly. And this is so important. Two people I know have died this week. It's been, a, been an interesting week having that happen. Each one of them knew that their time was short in, their, in both of their cases, but they didn't realize that they were going to die this last week. Either one of them, neither one of them knew that. They knew, they knew they were getting sick, they knew things were getting hard, but they didn't plan on dying this last week. We need to make sure that we are right with God, that we will enter into eternity with him. Once somebody dies, they're going to see God and they're going to want to come to him and that's too late. Once you're standing before God and you see perfect righteousness and holiness, you're going to say, God, I want you to be your child. And he's going to say, too late. Or when we step into his presence, oh, thank you, God, I've been waiting to see you. I really can't wait to see God. I'm not doing anything to make it happen sooner, but I can't wait to step out of this body and be present with God because that's what Paul said. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. While he's got me here, I want to be able to share the gospel with people. I want to see people get saved. I want to see people grow. I want to see people move forward with God. But I am definitely looking forward to today when I stand before God and hope to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's all your rewards. I am looking forward to it because it's by grace. For by grace are you saved. Through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. God will not let our flesh stand before him. We're going to close here in, in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. Lord, we're going to do something we don't usually do. I'd pray to bow your heads in prayer. And Lord, if there's anybody here that needs, to save, needs you to save them, we're going to ask that they pray right now. Lord, I am a sinner in, in need of prayer and need of your salvation. Come into my life. If you've said that prayer, please raise your hand so I can see it and give thanks for your, your change. Thank you. Lord, we want to bless these people who have raised their hand, and the Lord will want to talk to them a little more and find out where, you're, where they're at with you. Lord, we thank that. Lord, we ask for each person in this room that we will come and we will share more and more of your life and follow you in a deeper and deeper way. Lord, help us grow. Help us see who you are. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.